You are listening to the Content Academy podcast where we teach online businesses how to create raving fans with their content. So let's get to it. Yes, hello and you're very welcome to the Content Academy podcast. I am Phil McGrath and as always I am joined by my partner in crime, Paul Caffrey. How are you, Paul? I am absolutely fine, man. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Another good show for the good folks today. Uh, Jeff Beale, Mr. Marketology, as he's labeled himself, and uh, some fantastic insights into not only how he creates some great content, but also some tips on SEO, marketing automation, um, editorial calendars, and you and him had a good powwow about the uh, morning rituals and meditation. Meditation and morning rituals uh, is something I value very dearly, and a couple of years ago, I would have been like, what? Get out of town. I know it's something I, you know, absolutely endorse 100%. So, uh, yeah, interesting. And some, some, you know, we mentioned some apps and other things that can help you with that as well. So, um, yeah, great show. Really enjoyed, really enjoyed talking to Jeff. And I'm, I guarantee we're going to get him back on again. Yeah, I think we'll have to. I mean, even I'm just looking at the show notes. There's so much in it. We won't go on any further. Sit back, get comfortable and have a listen to what Mr. Marketology has to say. Okay, yeah, so like I said, we have Jeff Beale on the line. Jeff, how are you, my good man? Doing wonderful. What about yourself? Uh, you know, it's always a good day where I am. <laughs> um, great to have you on the show. Thank you very much for sparing your time to come on and chat with us today on the Content Academy podcast. Um, and I suppose before we get into the, the nitty-gritty and, and all that good stuff, uh, you might just tell our audience a little bit about yourself if they're not familiar with you, where you started and uh, what you're up to these days. Sure. Um, Jeff Beal, known to the business community as Mr. Marketology. And I'll get into the name a little bit because everyone always asks, how did you come up with Mr. Marketology? Um, basically, with marketing, it is a bunch of different methods that come together to a common goal. So it's a science to it. Um, and the name sounds very smart. So Marketology came about and, and it stuck. So with that, I started off like many people in online marketing. Uh, coming in as a web designer. So I was designing websites and I saw the need to drive traffic to these beautiful websites that didn't get any business because nobody knew they exist. So that transitioned me into SEO. I had a privilege of working with an awesome agency, 360i. Um, and then from there, I worked in-house for several brands like Home Depot, Apartment Guide, and so forth, um, working with the in-house team. And then I went into the consultant space. So I had an opportunity to see all angles of um, Internet marketing uh, as it related to business from an agency point of view, in-house point of view and a consultant point of view. Um, and then as I started to learn more, I started to share more. So I started um, being an evangelist of Internet marketing, which brings me here today that now I'm an evangelist of marketing. Primarily authority marketing through marketing automation, but marketing as a whole, because now if you can tie your offline marketing with your online marketing, you can really win. There certainly is a lot in there, and that's quite a journey. I mean, you really have seen it from every which way, I suppose, which is, is brilliant for us because we get to pick your brains and get all those years of experience out of you during this interview. Um, I suppose, obviously, given, given the fact that we are... Uh, kind of heavily focused on the on the content side of things um really want to what, what we're kind of looking at is how how you create your content or how you come up with your ideas i mean in terms of planning out your content and what you might like to blog about or whether it's a video or an email series or or just some marketing tidbits for for your your followers that, that you would put up on your site how do you tend to plan those out or brainstorm those ideas well there's a few ways that i brainstorm that um some people might say would be playing. You remember back uh, early on in the, I would say, 90s, early 2000s, they find you on uh, social, well, not social media back then, but they find you playing on the Internet. You weren't really serious. Well, now what I do is I actually go on the Internet and I find out from different sources like social media. Um, I also find out from Quero um, and emails that are sent to me. You know, both people hate spam, but... I don't mind because it gives you ideas. And based on that, then I'll see what people are talking about. Um, do a little bit of research, find out if it's a topic that's heavily discussed or is it something that um, is catching a lot of interest. And then based off of that, I start developing some ideas for content. Um, I also ask a lot of questions from uh, 
my social followers, my peers, and so forth, to find out what they would like to hear, um, what would they like to know. Uh, because one of the things that I've found, a lot of people create content based on their own bubble, um, but it might be the only thing, only person interested may be just them. Uh, it's <laughs> so no, true. Yeah, it's no harm in asking. Just ask people, what, what would you like to talk about? What would you like to hear? Yeah, and again, um, our, I mean, our, our listeners will be will be aware for those who've listened to uh, to the previous episodes that that seems to be a reoccurring theme very much is that, you know, not to get they get caught in your own bubble, as you put it, Jeff. You know, people say, uh, people have a tendency that uh, as thought leaders and experts within their market, they, they seem to assume that this is what I should be telling people about. This is what people really want to know. And it might be some more of the advanced stuff, whereas the truth of the matter is a large portion of your audience could be, you know, at the early stages and mainly need that slight extra bit of hand holding through some of the uh the probably the uh the more novice types of information that, that you kind of think oh well everyone knows about that and you assume because you know everyone else knows that's an excellent point phil actually i've worked with some large companies that some of the basic things i thought that they would know because they're a large brand um you had to pretty much go into layman's term with them break it down to the lowest <laughs> you know, denominator. Yeah. You're getting a big piece of paper out. You're getting a crayon, some Crayola out there, and you're drawing a big picture. Now do we get it? <laughs> yeah, and you're like, wow, I thought this was common, but it's it's not. Yeah, and that's, that, that seems to be a reoccurring theme throughout that we've had with a lot of our guests is that's one thing that they have flagged is that don't assume because you know what everyone else does the reason people are coming to you is to learn what you know so make sure you tell them everything you know not just the bits you think they want to hear about yes and i mean then obviously you, you've come up with some ideas and you, you've done your research um and, and you've, you've spoke to to your audience in in terms of planning out that content i mean are, are you a big advocate of having an editorial calendar or how far in advance would you plan your content I am a huge advocate of having an editorial calendar. Um, I usually plan my editorial calendar the third week of every month for the next month coming up. But I also leave gaps in for um, up and coming stories, or up and coming topics that you, you can't plan for because it just happened. Uh, so what I'll do is I'll, I'll have a hard editorial calendar for certain times and dates and then other ones are open that um, I know I can just put in content on those days uh, for whatever's the new news for the day. Excellent. I love that. That's that, that And that's really clever. Most people kind of look at their editorial calendar if they do use one. And I put a big if there because I know quite a lot of people still kind of think, oh, well, I know I just write two or three articles a week, maybe a video or I jump on Blab or Periscope and that's part of my content. But they don't really plan it out. So they end up spending you know, an hour sitting there beforehand going, okay, I have to write a piece of content today. What am I going to write it on? And then the writing time that they have has spent brainstorming instead of writing, you know. But I mean, that's a big thing is that people then, if they do fill out an editorial calendar, like, oh my God, there's gaps. I need to find something to fill those gaps. Well, no, the gaps are good because it allows you to react to your market as it changes and as the news comes about. So I really like the fact that you incorporate that straight off the bat and you realize that you don't have to have a completely full calendar and you have to leave time for what's up and coming and relevant within within the, the area that you're in. Um, yeah. Jeff, I have a question here, Paul here. Um, really, traditionally, when we started out many, many years ago, I think SEO was nearly at the, you know, at the forefront of our minds. And in every piece of content we created, we were always thinking about it. And I suppose over the last few years, it's something which has become, it's nearly moved on to the back burner for, um, for some people as such with social media coming along. But we are seeing it come back a bit now, a little stronger. When you're planning your editorial calendar, such as your content, how much does SEO, you know, come into the equation and, and does it play on your mind? Or is that something that you would then, you would work on that after you've decided what the content is? Or does that actually form part of what the content will be that fills your, your editorial calendar? That's a great question, Paul. Actually, it's a little of both on the front end and the back end. Um, the front end, the main thing SEO-wise would be finding out if there are any great keywords um, that you may want to target within your content. But um, the, the landscape of SEO has changed. I remember back when it first started, everybody was writing for the search engines. 
Mm. And of course, the, the content wasn't as good because they weren't writing for the readers. And now the search engines force you to write to write for the readers because um, based on yeah. a lot of different facts, uh, if your content isn't good, can't hold attention and so forth, you still might not rank for that particular piece of content. So having the right keyword on the front end allows you to know if you have any type of reach, and how much reach you can maybe get from that. But then write for the reader. Write for somebody that wants to share it. Like you mentioned, social is very important because you want them to share the content because it's quality content. And then you can go in on the back end and maybe put a little bit, you know, a keyword in the title tag. You can put, a, um, you know, make sure your keywords are properly placed within your content without overdoing it. Please don't overdo it because you're hurting yourself more than you're helping yourself. So just write it. Can I jump in there? Yes. Well, as we're going through that, well, can we can we expand on that a little bit? So, I mean, you've said we put a put a keyword in in your uh, in your header, um, maybe one in your intro, but not to overstuff it. Do you have a, a like? I know when I used to, when I be writing, um, and I mean when we started out, obviously we had keywords we were going for. Obviously, we started kind of in, in in the in the football space or soccer, as you call it in America, and we'd start in that, and we had our keywords that we would target, and I had a set format for how I used to lay lay, lay out my keywords, and I had certain keywords that went in certain paragraphs and i always managed to work them in that uh, but it always made sure it read kind of natural do you have something similar or is it a case that you know what you've been at it that long now it just kind of comes to you, you don't even think about it anymore um at this point it kind of comes to it but the formula i would say is always have it in your title tag uh, preferably as close to the front as possible always have it in your first paragraph always have it in your last paragraph everything else you know have Put it in as it flows, uh, but there's no formula. I remember uh, years ago, about probably four or five years ago, they would say every hundred words put put your keyword in. Yeah, I remember but, read, I remember reading that. <laughs> yeah, and, but here's the. Thing. I remember doing that. <laughs> it worked, <laughs> it ruined. In fairness. It did, yeah, but it kind of ruined the flow a little bit. It did. It did because you always focus on the keyword, so you're like, ah, I got to put in soccer. Okay, where am I gonna put it in? So. Now, you know, factors such as how many people share your content, they factor in. So writing for the reader and having people share it makes a big difference. Because here's the thing about SEO. People don't look at Google and Bing and these search engines as businesses, but they are. They're yeah. businesses. And their and business, big businesses, very big, <laughs> is to provide the best content for what people are searching for. Okay. So if your content has a whole lot of people sharing it and they say they vote that it's valuable, then the search engines say, hey, let's show this because people want to see this versus the old SEO way of manipulating the content. And then you get a high bounce rate, which now hurts your SEO because they're saying, well, not a lot of people. Our job, our business is to provide the best content so people can come back to our search engine frequent our search engine and hopefully start clicking on the ads on our search engine and so forth and so on. So if you look at them as a business versus God, you'll be, you'll be okay. I like that. I like that. Yeah, there you go. Both, Both of us saying the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that too. Um, what, I suppose one of the things that, that kind of that does has helped us in the past on on SEO for for articles um, was actually you know the having people on your email list actually click back through to that article. And I did notice that we would get um, SEO kind of spikes where. Yes, you would obviously be getting more people viewing it, so the, the views were up because you could see the clicks coming through. But I did see that as something which kind of steadily always accelerated um, kind of content and, and SEO performance of um, of certain articles as such. So that's another thing. If you have something relevant that you've you spent the time creating, you've obviously done the, C, the SEO work. Um, in some way, or in some way, shape, or format, if you share that to your your email or to your your list as such, um, people clicking back, that does really help give a boost. Not that that's, that's something which I've seen hasn't really go away, and I guess that really kind of feeds into what you're saying there, Jeff, is that um, if you're getting social credibility 
from the search engines that you can also get that from your email list as well. So maybe a little bit of um, you know something that not, maybe some people may not be too aware of. Um, but as regards marketing and you know marketing, it's it's a very broad term, and um, I suppose every business really should be marketing. Um, but the problem is it can take a lot of time as such. Is there any ways that you perhaps maybe automate marketing or make it a little bit more, um, you know, take some of the manual work out of or, you know, what, what tips would you have from your experience of actually dealing with businesses on, on helping people uh, improve their marketing strategy as such? Sure. Um, first, I want to chime in on what you just said. Um, if you're using, especially Google uh, properties like Gmail, you have a list. The search engines do look, and Google does, they look into your email. So Big Brother is watching. They do look into your email and factor it into their algorithm, their AdWords. So that boost that you were looking for, um, having people open it in their email, click the link in their email, will give you uh, a SEO boost um, over those that don't. So, so good that you noticed that and pointed that out. Um, as far as marketing automation, there are several tools that I like to use. Um, I can name a few. Uh, but Please do. Yeah. Okay. So I use um, Active Campaign. I love Active Campaign because of the uh, marketing automation that they have. Uh, it's very robust, but it's not too complicated for a novice to use. Um, I also like Agile CRM. Uh, they also, they have a drag and drop mind map type of marketing automation. Um, Zapier and, and if then then that, which is ifttt.com, must haves, must haves. You, they will save you a ton of time. Okay, that's interesting because um, there, there are two, um, you, you've mentioned two, so two um, pieces, two tools there that I'm not familiar with at all, to be honest. I, yeah, what, what are they yeah, doing for you, Jeff, that makes them essential? Which, uh, which the, the latter two. Okay, Zapier. Zapier is so great because what they do is they tie in different applications. And so let's say, um, we'll use your email example. Let's say someone emails you. You can actually put in Zapier that if I get an email from this person, then add them to my contact list or post this email to my social. You can automate almost anything with their hooks uh, with Zapier and if, then, then that. So they tie into several different um, solutions that you already use, like WordPress and uh, Gmail and uh, Facebook, Twitter. You know, they tie into a lot of different ones, and they have what they called, well, Zapier calls them Zaps. If then, then that calls them recipes, but different ways that you can manipulate that if this happens, then do this on this other solution. And so you can really be creative on how you want to manipulate. So let's say you write a piece of content. You write a piece of content, you post it on your site, you say, well, if it goes up on my site, especially if you use a WordPress, if it posts on my WordPress, then automatically send it out to my social networks that this piece of content posts and, and tag it with this. And if it's tagged with this, then also put it into my CRM system over here, which automatically puts it into my autoresponder if you have it together, but if it, you don't, if it goes, if this contact goes and clicks it, then this CRM person that clicked this, add them to my autoresponder list on this side and send them, you know, a message asking if they want more information, that type of thing. So there's a lot of different ways you can create an automation based on things that you're already doing, but just tying them together. I really, I really like that, but it sounds very complicated <laughs> as such. Um, where would you recommend starting, really, with that? So let's say, I mean, generally, we find our audience that they'll have a list, they'll have some social platforms, they'll they'll have their regular routine of blogging and maybe podcasts, maybe blobs, whatever it may be. Um, what, what what way would you recommend starting on that automation journey if you you haven't really got any automation at the moment? I would say start with. Um, Tying your content to post to your social automatically. That'll save you a lot of time. Save you tons of time. Um, based on that, then you can start, if you have a, a marketing uh, autoresponder or email autoresponder, then you can uh, tie it into your autoresponder. If you don't, uh, then you can look at how do you want to 
communicate from that point. So if they take action on your, let's say, piece of content, do you want to add them to a list? Do you want to send them out a, a text message? Do you want to send them a social message? What do you want to do from there? So really planning is based on your business and based on uh, how you communicate best with your audience. But to start, I would say with your content, uh, have those type solutions post out. I'm, then, I'm sorry to cut across you, Jeff. I'm just thinking of something there as you're saying that, and it, it's something I've spoke about before. It's about not being afraid to not only, obviously, you're going to share your content on your social platforms, but it's share it again and again and again, because not everyone who likes or follows you or is going to see that every time you put it out there. Is Do you know, is there that ability that you can set it up in one go to say, okay, every time I post a piece of content, say, like you said, to my WordPress site, it goes out to my social media platforms. But I also wanted to go out again in 20 days time, 30 days time, whatever it might be. Yes, you can do that. Um, the, the best way to do that is on the scheduler. Um, like if then and that you can put it to repeat a message every X amount of days or every day of this day of the month. So you can do that uh, by scheduling it on that end. Um, that's one way to do it. Uh, another way to do it is if you can... And this is a real hack way to do it. Can oh. I say the word hack? Is that a dirty word? No, no, you can say that. <laughs> you know what, Jeff? You can say dirty words if you like. We're all adults here. <laughs> the um, hack way of doing it is you can always email yourself into one folder and then have the, have the email automatically repeat send to yourself. And every time it goes to that folder, it'll send out a message. So you say every time a message comes into this folder, send it out to my social. And so you just email yourself the same message on a schedule basically and you can use any autoresponder to do something of that nature sneaky and i love it i love it the easiest way to do it is just to set it up with if then then that Mm. and then on that um you would say on scheduling send it out periodically at this time or this interval of days yeah like I'm obviously I'm aware there's various other pieces of software that will do that, but if you're gonna tie it all in with 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 that and and your CRM, well then that's perfect if it does everything rather than having one piece of software to do this, one piece of software to do that. If we can find the fewest pieces of software to do the most amount of work, it's fantastic. And I'm just thinking in my own head the amount of time that saves. Oh yes, yes, and and the great thing is with it, um, sometimes you can personalize it. So, I mean, that's getting more advanced, but you can personalize it. Um, I just did a campaign today where uh, if anybody signs up for this person's uh, email list, it'll automatically post on their Facebook page, but it'll post this way. Welcome, first name, last name, to our community. And we would like you to tell more about yourself uh, to the community. And then at the bottom, it has a tag, look and see what first name, is learning here, which links back to to their site. So every time somebody signs up, what it does is it encourages other people to sign up because they'll go to the page and they'll start seeing, welcome Paul, you know, welcome Phil, da da da. And they're like, wow, everybody's signing up on this site. And they start signing up. And the more they sign up, the more content is being built on their Facebook page, welcoming everybody to their Facebook page. But it builds that community because now it adds them to share. So they're sharing about their business. They're sharing about who their audience would be. They're sharing about their likes and so forth. It gets the conversation going, which automatically gets that Facebook page more uh, recognized yeah. because people are on it and it helps that business. But it's encouraging the communication. I think what's quite interesting there is um, obviously if you make it clear when somebody's signing up that yes, this notification is going to go out on your Facebook, there shouldn't be a, a bad feeling for anybody who signs up on it. Um, but even for example, even just using Facebook now, it is becoming fairly advertising rich. For example, um, if Phil likes Carlsberg because of sponsoring the Rugby World Cup, I'll get notified about it. You know, so that you know, people are used to seeing that in their timeline. So I do find that quite interesting as well. Yeah, so, let's be honest, it doesn't really take the rugby for me to like Carlsberg though <laughs> very true um so yeah that's that's interesting and would you um would you engage um in facebook and facebook groups for for marketing or is that is that a world that you've uh, you've done much work in or you know i suppose what makes you know good and bad uh, interaction in social media when it comes to, to marketing 
I think one of the things, um, as far as to answer the question, I do engage in Facebook groups um, sometimes, not as much as, as many, but it's, it's knowing your audience. Hmm. Um, for my audience, a lot of them don't really go into Facebook groups as much. Um, but if you are uh, addressing people that are in groups, let's say you, you sell, let's say car parts. I love cars. So you're selling car parts and you have a group that talks about cars, a Facebook group that talks about cars. And these are the people that are enthusiasts, that are remodeling. Um, they're, you know, um, souping up their cars. Volkswagen owners. Yes. Then, yes, being one of those groups. But here's where to answer your second question. A lot of people go wrong. They get in the groups and they make it a big promotion. And so you're not engaging with anybody. You're not talking with anybody. You're just pitching and selling and ad advertising and so forth. That's where you start really making the experience a poor experience, not only for the group, but for your brand. Because they're like, oh, here he goes again, selling yeah. another car park. You know, no one it's likes that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. They're just yeah, self-promotion. Talk, yeah. talk about what they talk about. Volkswagen. We love Volkswagen. Did you know the new Volkswagen came out, had this feature, that feature? You know, that type of thing gets them to more engaged and then say, did you know that you could actually put on this part to your Volkswagen and make it more efficient? Then it's fine. Yeah, I mean, and that's really interesting. And I mean, obviously, we've kind of spoke there about the within Facebook groups and social interactions across the, the different social platforms. But I mean, in terms of even for your blog content, um, Jeff, I don't know if, if this is something you might be able to shine some light on. But I mean, one of the big things that we find is that people create their content um, and they write really good pieces of content. And we're a big believer if you're going to do something, there has to be a benefit, obviously, to your your audience. But you have to get something in return. Now, not every piece of content you create is going to be paid content. So you have to be clear about what you want to get from your free content. So a call to action is always key. And I mean, in terms of, like we're saying there, it's kind of going, well, the new Volkswagen has X, Y, or Z. And you know, you can upgrade yours by coming to here and buying these parts. And there's a clear call to action. You can click here and come through and have a look at the parts that we sell that will fit that model of Volkswagen or whatever it might be. Is that something that you think people are lacking in or is it just me that seems to think that people are very slow to kind of get something on their end from their free content? You are 100% correct. I think a lot of times people feel as if either A, I need to sell 100% or B, I don't need to sell at all. I think a call to action is very necessary. And it needs to be seamless in the content within the conversation. So you're not, it's, it's funny, um, you're not really selling them. You are just providing them something that they already want. And, and if you have that frame of mind, it's a lot easier to say, if you really want to upgrade your Volkswagen, then here's a place where you can versus come to my shop, buy my stuff. Um, it, it, it's, it's amazing how many people hide the great content that they have because they're afraid of being labeled as a salesman. Um, and, you know, on the other side, you have people that 95% of their content is trying to sell you and convince you on yeah. why you should buy their stuff versus talking about the topic and then offering a way for somebody to take a next step. Yeah, and I mean, a, a, a good book comes to mind, actually, I, I read about well, a while ago now since I read it, but it resonated with so much, it still springs to mind. It was Gary Vaynerchuk's uh, book, uh, Jab, 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 Right Hook, um, which is along those principles that it's, you know, it's jab, 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 sell. And that was it. It was information, 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 then offer a sale. Don't just sell, sell, sell. And certainly you're not going to make any money if it's just here's free content, here's free content, here's free content. You know, you've got to obviously get something in return. So, I mean, for anyone maybe looking at something along those, I'd, I'd actually recommend going checking out that book, uh, Jab, 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 Right Hook. It's well worth the uh, the couple of dollars on Amazon. But, I mean, moving on from there, so, Jeff, um, I mean, we spoke about your editorial calendar and how far in advance you are and everything else. Um, 
when it comes to i suppose what we call writer's block or that dreaded blinking cursor where you have your editorial calendar you know what you want to do and you're sitting down and it's just not happening for you maybe it's a motivational thing maybe it's an ideas thing is there any things any um helpful tips you can give our audience if they're you know that you've come across over your time that has worked for you obviously we know everyone's different and certain things work for certain people but is there certain things that you time and time again you go to to get you out of jail I think with me, I usually go to um, take a time, a little bit of time to meditate, try to clear my mind. But if that doesn't work, um, I'll start trolling different um, podcasts. I'm, I'm more of a visual audio type. So I'll start trolling videos and podcasts to try to get me inspired to uh, put out some things. And one thing that to, to realize is all content doesn't have to be words, text. You know, it can be video, it can be audio, uh, like what we're doing now, and you can repurpose that into text. So there it um, is again, Paul. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you told repurposed Paul. content. This this is a big thing for me. I'm, it's I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put my ass in the line here and say every episode of the show this has come up, where everyone who is doing it the right way and who is very successful in their own businesses is doing the same thing they are creating content and repurposing it to get more value out of the hard hours they put into it i'm not going to go on about it because it'll just sound like the same podcast episode over and over again but i want to highlight the fact again this is another guest who's saying the same thing find the content repurpose the content preach the preach the truth phil preach the truth because <laughs> that's what you're doing i mean honestly the reason uh, that I say repurpose is this. Everyone is different and they retain information differently. So like I said, I'm a visual audio type person. So, you know, Gary, love Gary Vandercher. But I watch his videos. As Gary V, I watch yeah, his videos. Yeah, that's a good show. Still, you know, me re reading a, a book. Yeah, I've, I've got the audio book. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll get the audio book. But... You know, some people like to do that versus read, but other people are avid readers and they love to have the words in front of them. So when you repurpose, you give everyone an opportunity to enjoy your content that you work so hard on um, and not just limited to the one, you know, the ones that like the style that you put out at the time. So that's one of the reasons I say repurposing is very important. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd be very much there with you. And it's probably similar to yourself, Jeff. I'm, I'm all about the audio books. I, 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 no, I was strange to say, I've nearly stopped reading books at this point. I've listened to them, uh, listened to so many over the last few years. Um, I suppose with that in, in mind, you know, do you, you know, work in time into your calendar then to, to actually repurpose your content? Or do you have a certain, you know, would you, you yourself like to start on one medium and then work onto another or onto another? Or is it just something that organically happens depending on where your inspiration comes from? Okay, I'm going to tell you the right way and I'm going to tell you the sometimes I do way. The right <laughs> okay. way. I love this. <laughs> the brutal the right honesty. To have, yeah, to have a process to say, okay, when I do this, then the next thing I do, so for instance, the way I usually do it, I'll usually either do a podcast or a video based on that information, then I'll write the article. And based on that information, um, I'll take either the audio from the video or the video and put a slide to it to make it, I mean, the audio, put a slide to it to make it a video to repurpose the audio as a video, video as an audio, and then, of course, take the text, um, uh, either transcribe, which I don't really like transcribing because it's so robotic. I, I like to yeah. have somebody actually come in, listen to it, rewrite it in, in your own words if I don't get around to doing it myself. So um, that's the automated process or, or I would say the right process to do. Um, the way I do it sometimes would be I'll record it and I'll get around to it. And this is what I found when I get around to it. I may not get around to it for weeks. It might be months before I get around to it. So if you start using that get around to it method, you've got content now that may be dated. That may just not, you don't have the emotions anymore. You just don't have that fire when you come back to it. So that technique I would not recommend to anybody. Um, uh, the first technique, find a process that works best for you. 
whether you actually um, rewrite it or repurpose it or you have a staff that does that for you. Um, but just have a schedule, have it to where it's just like second nature. All great stuff. And I really like the idea of, um, you know, making it into a process as such or a formula or something that you follow. Um, obviously, that's something that you can make unique to yourself. And I always find when you document, be it writing down the steps involved or maybe taking screenshots of what you're actually doing or taking a video of what you're actually doing, then that's something that becomes easier for you to eventually, when you get to that point of maybe having staff or being able to outsource, that you can actually easily outsource those uh, instructions very clearly. And then also, I suppose, to get your, yourself into the, um, I suppose, inverted commas, right way of, of doing things. But I like that because we all know that you'll always find something else a little bit more important, and maybe not necessarily more important, but more appealing to do rather than going and, and kind of, you know, doing these tasks on that, you know, ever growing uh, to do list. Um, you mentioned, I suppose, earlier on that you you do meditation, and and that's when you're you're you know you're trying to fight off maybe writer's block or, or whatever else. Um, I suppose digging into that a little bit, what is that? Um, you know, kind of just a few minutes of of silence, or you know, would you listen to something, or you know, uh, you know how lo- how long, and what would you recommend maybe to somebody who hasn't done meditation and maybe has a bit of writer's block, and, and what way they could maybe start it off just to help them get that content going again. I would say um, find a nice, quiet place that you really enjoy. So the first thing I usually do, I, I love sitting out on the water. So I'll go out to a pond or a lake um, and I'll just sit there and be quiet and just embrace God's nature and enjoy it. And so that's one way that I do it. Sometimes I'll um, just you know, like I say, I like water, I'll hop in the shower and I'll just stay in the shower for 10 minutes and just be quiet and get away from everything. Um, that's one thing that I do if I have the time and, and, and um, the, you know, locations to do so. If not, um, I usually take this app that Oprah and Deepak Chopra uh, put out. It's a meditation app. It's called 21 Day Meditation. Um, and it gives you like 10 to 20 minutes of meditation where they help guide you. And so they have music in the background. It gives you um, the guidance as you meditate. And I found that useful because at first I couldn't meditate for five minutes because my mind would be everywhere. But with that, I could actually go through 20 minutes. And before you know it, the 20 minutes is up. But um, I would say if you if you are the type of person that you cannot clear your mind, Having some sort of silent, um, ambient music and being very removed from everything. That, I think, is the biggest key. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I like that, yeah. yeah. It's I mean, hard to meditate when you have the kids yelling and, you know, the spouse <laughs> yeah. talking to you. It is very hard. So remove yourself. Go to a place where it's real quiet. And one thing Deepak said that was really good is okay to have thoughts come into your head while you're meditating. Everybody thinks it's you're supposed to be just completely solace, nothingness. But that's not the truth. It's because when you start thinking about not thinking about things, then you're thinking about something. Yeah, so, yeah it gets difficult, doesn't it? Yeah. So allow yourself to think, bring it back and say, okay, I know, but let me get back into meditation. I know I got off track for a minute. And as you keep doing that, you'll start getting better and better at meditation. And I think what happens is you get to clear your mind from all the clutter. And now you can refocus back on the task. And you say, oh, I get it now. This is why this hung me up because of this. So if I just eliminate, for instance, one thing that I I have problems with, maybe everyone else, is the master that we call the cell phone. Because every time it vibrates, notifies, rings, I have to answer it. I have to look at it. And you can't create great content if you're always being distracted by your cell phone. So with meditation, you start thinking, yeah, let me turn the phone off completely until I finish this. And now I can finish it. And so it starts to open up some some ideas, options, and some roadblocks that you weren't looking at because it's just normal day-to-day clutter. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff there that that makes a lot of sense. You know, um, with the meditation, I I suppose I use an app Brainwave, uh, 32 binaural uh, programs that works quite well. Probably very similar to the one that you mentioned uh, there, Jeff. Uh, and what I also find, you know, does kind of help is after doing that, as such, then just I personally was set right twenty minutes. I'm going to turn off all notifications and then just go and write. And this is something which Phil often said to me many years ago, you know, just write, you know, get down and just do it. Just yeah. write, see what comes yeah. out, you know. Um, and I find that when you turn off the notifications, you've got yourself in the relaxed, right, you know, right frame of mind. Um, you can really surprise yourself what can get done and what is relatively, you know, a, a short period of time, but it can be very, very powerful. So um, I really like that idea of, you know, bringing in some sort of, meditation maybe to get yourself in in the right frame of mind to, to tackle that content and also switching off notifications which look guys it's hard to do but you know at the end of the day if you want to be productive sometimes you got just got to do it you know that's true and also find your best time uh, a friend of mine patrick mcfadden he has excellent content and he says he gets up at like four in the morning to write his content because at four in the morning there's no distractions and he's better a morning person, so he writes better at four. Um, I find also for myself, I create my best content in the morning before everything starts to flutter your mind. In the evenings, I'm usually a little bit burned out or, you know, I have so much other things. And I'm like, okay, I need to write. Yeah, this of course. Way. I have something else to do. Yeah. So find your best time because there's other people such as, um, my wife, she's a night owl. She does her best work at two, three in the morning. So uh, um, I, I used to be one of those. Um, I'm not <laughs> I anymore. I changed it. I am now a morning person, and it's actually got so bad that if it gets to noon, and I haven't completed or I haven't finished what I'm doing in terms of my writing or or whatever work or whatever I'm working on, I start to panic. Yeah, because. I'm getting into that busy afternoon period where am I going to get it finished? Um, this, you know, I've got emails sitting. I know there's emails sitting there. My notifications are off, but I know once I turn them on, it's just going to be ding, 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 ding. I'm kind of, and that's that's how bad it's going. But I used to be like that two, three in the morning, going, "This is great," but now, now I'm I'm up, I'm up every morning, bright and early, and I try and literally breakfast, coffee, content. Yeah, I, I noticed that the the big change I noticed was that I found that when you the later that you work, sometimes you can become a little bit sloppy and make mistakes. So that's one thing just to make sure that you you know you absolutely are. And then I suppose on the flip side, some people might wake up and feel like that as well. But if you are kind of you know thinking of challenging yourself and thinking about getting up early. Hal Elrod, Hal Elrod, I should say, is a great book, The Miracle Morning. I'm sure you guys have probably heard of it. I listened to it, and uh, it basically shows you how to build a routine that you can bespoke to yourself and actually, you know, take on these mornings as such. Uh, and as I suppose as you're saying there, Jeff, it is great just to have some time to yourself when you know that nobody's going to be emailing, you know, family's not going to be kind of there at, at this time, and you can just go at it. Um, but again, equally, sometimes that is the evening times as well or, or whenever. But I really like that idea there of finding your, your best time because at the end of the day, you know, you've got to do what suits yourself. Yeah. And like both of you mentioned, um, have a routine. I mean, if you can get into a routine, it really helps. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big part. But I mean, that, that, that's a big thing that a lot of successful people have. They all have a routine. They all have a process. You don't have to copy everyone else's. You will hear of other people's process. Oh, I'll try that. It may not work for you and your lifestyle and what you have going on. Don't forget, life has to continue. Your lifestyle may not suit their routine. So try and develop your own to get the best out of your day because your day and someone else's are entirely different. Mm-hmm. Jeff, there is a hell of a lot in there. Um, thank you very much for all of that. I'm pretty sure we could probably stay talking for another hour if we so choose <laughs> to. Um, but uh, I think we would get into overload capacity should we do so. So thank you very much again for taking the time out of your busy day to come and speak with us and our wonderful audience. And just before you leave us, just tell everybody again where they can get a hold of Jeff Beal and maybe drop you a tweet or a Facebook message and let you know they really like the content you gave us today. Sure. Um, you can reach me on Facebook, Twitter, Google+. Plus. All of them are Mr. Marketology. So if you put that at the end, you'll find me. Uh, MrMarketology.com is the website. 
um, and that's spelled M-R-M-A-R-K-E-T-O-L-O-G-Y. Excellent. We'll, we'll pop that in the show notes. Oh, great, great. So people don't have to go scrambling for a pen. You can just check out the show notes for Jeff's interview here, and we'll have all those links in it for you. Right. And everybody, I, I encourage you to provide uh, Paul and Phil feedback, because this is how this grows. Provide the feedback. And, and if you provide feedback, they'll provide you even more shows with more uh, content. And I appreciate that. And Jeff is dead right. Certainly, if there is anything out there you'd like us to cover, or maybe there's a guest you'd like us to interview, certainly drop us an email. You can get me at phil at content.academy or equally paul at content.academy and drop us a mail and let us know, you know, is there something you'd like us to cover or talk about a little bit more? Maybe we'll just have an inter- have a, a podcast session with me and Paul going through some of those topics or some of those email queries. Or if there's a guest you really want us to get our hands on and uh, squeeze some information out of, certainly drop us an email and we'll do our very level best to do so. Jeff, thank you very much once again. It's been an absolute pleasure and we will talk to you again soon. My honor. Thank you. Yes, so that was Jeff Beale from MrMarketology.com. Paul, I think you'll agree some great advice in there for our listeners and stuff you can really start implementing within your content plans today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I thought it was really refreshing to actually talk about SEO for, for a change. All of a sudden, it's something which is looked on as you know not being cool from being, I suppose, the number one online topic five, six, seven years ago. Still relevant today and some nice tips there which uh, people can actually maybe start implementing to go back to basics for for some of their content. Yeah, absolutely. I like the fact that he's given us that little layout where we kind of can make sure you've got your keywords in certain locations. Not too much of that has changed, but it's always nice to run over the basics again no matter how far along the line you are. Another big thing for me, and you know how much I love a good editorial calendar, was the fact that Jeff referenced he leaves spaces within his editorial calendar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're horrified. You're like, what? No, no. The editorial calendar is planned in advance and you have your stuff done. Yeah. But it was quite, yeah, it was quite interesting that he he leaves his gaps there for new news, as he put it. So anything of kind of up and coming and relatively new within the industry that he might feel is worth reporting on at that space. So, I mean, again, just goes to show content um your editorial calendar should i say doesn't have to be packed full of content you can leave some spaces and uh, keep an eye on the market and what's going on within your niche and, and yeah. kind of keep up to date with current affairs as it were so i kind of really like that it's something i hadn't necessarily thought about and i don't know paul if you're going to get me to ease off that much but maybe we might leave a gap or two in there somewhere let's face it i know your rule is going to be well if you want to write extra stuff that's fine <laughs> there's always space for extra stuff everyone loves um, extra well, I mean, I understand why, because it is a little bit, it's, it's, it frees you up a little bit. You kind of, you, you don't know what you're going to write about. Some people will find that exciting. And I remember writing a four-part uh, article series on the site, you know, tips to create great content for your online business. And some of those were basically based around, you know, how to find content and using the likes of Google News uh, and a couple of other, uh, I suppose, powerful tools out there. And they can actually give you great uh, insider info as Red Red's press releases or whether it's just you know news within your industry, which then can spark your opinion and your thoughts and your take on it, which can become quite you know SEO rich content because it's topical because people are talking about it, um, and then again also helps to boost your authority within your niche because people may actually find this news from you for the first time. So I do like it. I just think that you need to make sure that it's part of your plan and it's not just an excuse to leave some lazy gaps in that editorial calendar now you'll have to make that decision yourself yeah we can't really help you on that one i suppose um there was a couple of other things of course that uh yourself and jeff more so spoke about the, the power of meditation i'm not a big fan of meditation i do share your ideals on a, on a morning routine and getting things done early however um, but it's interesting, you know, with the 21 med- uh, meditation and I think Brainwave was the one you were talking about that you use, Paul, the app for, for meditation. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that that kind of does two things, really. So that, that app, which um, we have detailed in the show notes, um, that gets your, your brainwaves going. Uh, I suppose it's all to do with beta and theta waves, and I won't get into the science behind it. So what I find is quite interesting is it does help me write blogs faster. And I get more done when I actually I'm listening and it's just waves crashing, you know, waves basically hitting the shore. Um, and that's great. And I have a really powerful, 
you know, boost where I might get maybe two hours of content done. Um, alternatively, I might just set it up for the, you know, for the meditation and end of things and actually, you know, clear the mind. Um, now, works really, really well. But I will say is that when you actually look to use it as a productive tool, it actually makes you tired. You know, I don't know if you, you probably experienced that. I certainly did when I was in college when you would just study so hard or maybe you've been in work and you might have done like a 14-hour day where you're on a computer and you're working, you're using the brain all day. You just feel zapped. I got that when I was using it for work when I was using the boost to productivity side of things. But then when I'm actually using it for meditation and relaxation, it works really, really well. So um, again, there's a lot of stuff out there about it. And I guess the miracle morning, um, I mean, six habits that will transform your life before 8 a.m. I mean, that is a very, very brave, you know, tagline for any book to have. And so one I came across, Hal, Hal Elrod's book, it was probably in mid-2013 or towards the end of 2013. And um, it really helped, led to me to structure my morning routine, which in turn, I think has really helped me kick on to the next level. So it's something I'd absolutely endorse for anybody to, to look at. And I suppose... It doesn't have to be before 8 a.m. Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this a bit as well. He kind of calls out as a bit of, you know, a bit of nonsense in some respects. But what he does say is do what works for you. So if you're a night owl, that's great. But find some time in the day for you where you can focus on developing yourself. So, again, no matter, I suppose, what, what school of thought you want to listen to, I'm very much uh, all around the whole, whole idea of, you know, personal development and having that built in as part of your daily routine yeah hasn't done any harm that's for sure i mean and just very quickly to wrap this one up i mean we again speaking about the idea of creating content for audience and kind of jeff flagged something that we know we've heard time and time again is he, he quote from him was a lot of people create content based on their own bubble which means they haven't really took the time to go and speak to their audience. They haven't taken the time to ask them exactly what they're looking for, where the gap in the knowledge is, and they just go ahead and create content based on what they think their audience wants. So again, get out there, sit with your audience, have a chat with them, see what they're really after, and it's guaranteed to not only boost your engagement rates, but also your social shares because you're really going to be hitting the nail on the head with content your audience absolutely want. And if you don't have an audience, use somebody else's. There's plenty of Facebook groups where you can strike up, strike up conversations, you know, comments on threads, lots of different ways. So, again, don't let that kind of be like a chicken and an egg. But how do I know what to write if I don't have an audience? But if I, you know, if I write for an audience and they don't come, then I'm writing the wrong thing. Talk to people. That's really what it comes down to in some way, shape or form absolutely so listen we'll leave it there thank you very much again for joining us on the content academy podcast and after all that talk of editorial calendars paul i think it's only fair we give the good people a chance to get their hands on ours yes yeah absolutely um you can get it for free there you go there's a great offer um and basically it is on content.academy um and you will see it there just i suppose it's on the home page and then it's, it's in a couple of other is it anywhere else on the site apart yeah from the we got it's, no. it's in the sidebar if you're if you click the, yeah. if, you're, if you're on the show notes just have a look to your right there you'll see it the editorial calendar button have a click on that leave your name and email address and you will get our editorial calendar template direct to your inbox which will give you an idea about how we map out our content and how we grade it along the way in terms of our notes and research and images to be used yeah. so on and so forth have a look at it and uh even there'll be a video from my good self that'll find you explaining exactly how you can customize that and use it to fit your needs. So and that, that that's something I want to just quickly call out. This isn't just a little silly kind of PDF where you, you'd be filling in with a pen or pencil. This is something that you customize. You actually will be able to put in uh, a number uh, of key pieces of information unique to your uh, business uh, and then it will have a nice little kind of front end page which will populate all, all of the relevant information so quite a neat little tool that we put together and something that we use ourselves so um, absolutely recommend that yeah so there you go content.academy for your editorial calendar template but until next time we shall say adieu adios adios